1160 The Quest welcomes you to Legislation Made Simple. Keeping you informed on political issues, primarily legislative issues in the Georgia General Assembly, but also some national issues that implicate the teachings of the church. Issues that are critical to restoring and protecting a culture that enables families to flourish and the kingdom of God to advance. Legislation Made Simple will also let you know how to get involved, how to get to know your state representatives and senators, and most importantly, how you can affect policy. Your hosts are Patty DeCraney and Jane Robbins. Jane is a retired lawyer, formerly with a D.C.-based organization called American Principles Project. Jane worked at the Georgia legislature and has maintained her connections there, so she's plugged in under the Gold Dome. Now let's begin Legislation Made Simple. Hello and welcome to Legislation Made Simple. My name is Patty DeCraney and my co-host is Jane Robbins. Hi, Jane. Hey, Patty. We're at the point now in the legislative session where bills are beginning to be dropped or introduced. So we have a little better idea what might be debated between now and the end of the session on March 29th. Several of these bills, if passed, would specifically affect our children especially those in public schools and our families. To tell us what's going on, we have another very special guest, Catholic parent activist and nurse practitioner, Mary Clausen. Good afternoon, Mary. Hello. Thank you for joining us to enlighten us on these bills. And because there's so much information that you're going to share with us, agreeing to do two shows. So you'll be doing a show today and then next Saturday as well. So thank you. As always, we begin with invoking the Holy Spirit and reading Holy Scripture. So together, let's pray. Come, Come Holy Spirit, Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit and they shall be created and you will renew the face of the earth. And today's Scripture is Matthew chapter 19 verses 13 and 14. Then children were brought to him that he might lie his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the children come to me and do not prevent them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. God loves the little children and so do we. Let's get started with the show and several of the bills that have been dropped recently. Jane, could you further introduce our guest? I would be happy to. Mary Clausen is a faithful Catholic who puts her faith to work on behalf of children and families. She is the secretary of the organization called Protect Student Health Georgia and is a Protect Child Health Coalition member. She's a parishioner at Holy Spirit Catholic Church and a mother of twin daughters. Welcome, Mary, and tell us how you got involved in all this. Um, thank you, Jane and Patty. I'm so glad to be here today. Um, I got involved in it when my children um, were in middle school. Um, it kind of was the start. They were in um, public schools from pre-K through seventh grade. And the public middle school that they were in in sixth grade um, started exposing them to a lot of different sexual information. It was basically um, information that I didn't feel was appropriate for that age. Um, there was a very strong push for um, the kids to identify what their sexual preferences were, to um, join an after-school club that um, also developed those type of thoughts and discussions. Um, I went to the principal and I just said, this is not 
correct for this age. This they're in the latency age of development for childhood, and sexual information should not be um, in the school like it is. Right. Um, there was periodic table of pride on the wall with different sexual preferences and stuff and I didn't even know what many of those were and I'm a nurse practitioner so I just a lot of different things were happening and I just was like this does not need to be here in the school and um, I couldn't get it to stop Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't get any support in that area so I pulled my kids out and then realized I could kind of go back and try to help the other students that are um, in that type of situation. Okay, and and how old are your your daughters now? Now they are seniors in high school. I did pull them out, and they're in um, Catholic schools now. And um, okay. w- was very very happy with with that decision, and um, sad that my children had that benefit, but others don't. Um, the school they were in, there was a lot of Spanish speaking families, and I was fearful that they weren't getting the information, and a lot of children and you know in middle school sometimes they talk a lot sometimes they don't talk much and right. i wondered what the parents really knew that the kids were being exposed to wow. um so so I, this um, is how you got involved that is how yeah I got involved. thank you yeah. thank you for your activism there oh, happy to do it we know our children are under assault in our culture right yes. um and it's troubling to think that the schools are a part of it but we know that they are let's talk about a few bills currently in the georgia house of representative and get your views on them The first two we'll mention briefly, HB 173 would require mandatory pre-K and kindergarten for all children before entering first grade. What are your thoughts, Mary? Um, We oppose that bill because we think the parents are the primary educators of their children. Mm -hmm. That's what the law says. That's Mm -hmm. what God says. And um, forcing a parent to put a child in pre-K or kindergarten when that may not be the best thing for that child um, should not be the law. Okay. And then the second bill we'll briefly mention also is HB 174, which would give parents of all sixth graders information about adolescent vaccines. This bill has a few Republican co-sponsors, so might get some traction. What do you think about this one, Mary? Um, I'm very opposed to this, and so is my organization, Protect Student Health Georgia. Um, The the really amazing thing here when I was really digging into it was that there are requirements that immunizations need to be given to children when they go for their pediatric exam they the pediatrician tells them what what they should have what's required what's not required and the parent can make the decision as to how they proceed there are some exemptions that parents can do if if they don't agree with the even the recommended ones this particular bill talks about um, HPV vaccine which Mm. is a sexually transmitted disease um, and it's not required um, for children to be in school to have that vaccine and so they they kind of sandwich that between the uh, meningococcal vaccine, which is required, and the DTaP, which is pertussis and other things that is required. So um, for our parents and students to get all this information that they don't need, um, mm-hmm. especially at a young age of sixth grade, some of those kids are 10, 11 years old. Right. Um, definitely we're opposed to that. Okay, thank you. All right, now let's get to a bill that implicates a lot of what you and your colleagues are, are fighting. HB 177, which has been introduced for several years without success, would require that sex ed courses in public schools give instruction that is so-called age-appropriate and that includes the subject of consent. All right, so first of all, focus on the age-appropriate requirement, which sounds fine. I mean, what could possibly be wrong with that? But tell us what that means and why you have concerns about it. 
um, we have concerns about age-appropriate being into the legislature and the laws because how it gets interpreted is very different than how you or I would interpret it. Um, there is a um, educator and um, researcher called um, Alfred Kinsey who started a sexual institute up at University of Indiana, in Indi and he basically wrote books and did studies and research um, and it was not done very well. It was unethical. Um, the conclusions they came up with was that um, children are sexual from birth. And so when they say age appropriate, people could go back and pull that data. And from uh, there's all there's several other um, researchers that are also have put false data out there and are society has kind of adapted that as if it's the truth and it really isn't on our website protect student health georgia there is a lot of information about that um so anyway age appropriateness is um something we all do in our hearts with our children but we don't want that to be in the legislature and the laws because we don't want um, them to use that information to pull something called comprehensive sex ed into the schools comprehensive sex ed is um, we'll talk about that in a minute but that is um not what we want in georgia and not what we want in the united states and Okay, well, what what then is comprehensive sex education as compared to what? Um, there are two types of sex education. Um, there's comprehensive sex education, which is also called sexual risk reduction. Um, and that basically, goal of that is to um, prevent pregnancies and STDs. And so um, they teach information out there, very factual, um, think that sex is fine for any age, child um, as long as they take precautions and the um, information that those programs give the children is right from Planned Parenthood and other organizations that these want are the our comprehensive. Kids to be sexual. These comprehensive. are the comprehensive programs. Okay. Yeah, correct. Um, the other program is abstinence-based education, which is called Sexual Risk Avoidance, SRA. And that's what um, we think is the law here in Georgia. There are school districts that do have comprehensive sex ed, but um, the law says that the basis of sexual education in Georgia should be that the best, healthiest thing for all children is to wait until marriage for sexual activity. That's our that's the goal of most of our families, and that's what um, sexual risk avoidance um, programs do uh, teach the kids. With the law as it as it stands now, who makes the decision about what type of sex ed is taught? Is it if it whether it's a comprehensive program, the sort of Planned Parenthood model or whether it's the the abstinence-based the school board um makes the final Lo decision. local school boards, local make, school that boards make that decision okay okay um and who are the the people who are pushing the comprehensive approach uh, give give me i don't mean the name specifically but but the who are the players the players mm -hmm. um the biggest player in Georgia is an organization called GCAP, um, Georgia Campaign for Adolescent Power and Potential. Um, it was um, originated in the 70s with Jane Fonda starting it. Um, and at that point, it was called Georgia Campaign for Avoiding Pregnancy um, Programs, something like that. Mm -hmm. So they so they changed it to make it more of a holistic, we want all the kids in Georgia to be healthy. Um, but it's kind of a it's not accurate. They're really pushing the, they're, they're trying to get health programs into the schools and then bring the comprehensive sex ed along with it. Um, that's how they make their money. I was in a meeting once. I said that was their bread and butter was some comprehensive sex ed. Um, so they are, um, they're there. They think they're doing good. They really do. Um, but the programs that they're, that they're pushing and the um, attitude they're pushing is very dangerous for our kids. 
the meetings that I was in um, kind of talked about abstinence-only education. That's how they label um, SRA, to avoid sexual activity till marriage. So we want all our kids to do That's the healthiest thing. We know all kids aren't going to do that. We understand they need to learn about birth control and sexually transmitted diseases. And we give them that information, but we do it in, in a certain way that's with um, other morals and um, information to help them make good decisions and pick the healthiest thing for them. Um, the attitude that they give us about these programs are that we literally don't tell our children anything. They call it, you know, abstinence only education is how they quote it. A million times I've heard that quoted and it's it's not abstinence only. We give other information, but they make it act like we're putting our children in the closet and not telling them anything about sex. And that's obviously not true for most families. I mean, there's some families that do that, but most families do teach their child some information as appropriate for the particular child. How, how could it be the bread and butter of the program, the sex education part of it? I've not done a deep dive into the money part. I'm a nurse, but um, the, there's lots of grants that they they, they use. Um, they, they have funding coming in. They have different organizations that they um, they kind of educate the schools, but then they bring in the companies that sell that that, infra, that those programs and stuff. So they it looks as if it's separate, but it's all really together once you dig down deep into the, into the money. And as far as the money goes, I've heard this referred to as the the school um, school to clinic pipeline. Um, how does why does Planned Parenthood care about this? Why are they involved in pushing comprehensive sex programs? Because they want to recruit future patients, and so if they can give the kids information about um, being sexually active and almost promoting that, I feel like it's fine uh, for any kid to do whatever they want whenever they want, as long as they wear a condom and don't get pregnant and don't get an STD. It's um, that's how the the children because all all birth control fails, um, and eventually the children will or adolescents will end up in their clinics with. Um, choosing to um, abort many times. Um, I do some prayer vigils at the abortion clinic and it's, it's heartbreaking to see the, um, the, the, the hollowness that these um, young women and young men have that they, you can tell they haven't been given the good information that we, that we have and we were lucky to with our church and our families. Um, but they um, are very broken people and um, we need to help build them up and not, promote sex to them, try to get them to, um, you know, do, do healthy things and, and grow up in a healthier way. So um, Planned Parenthood, though, even in a lot of the programs, Planned Parenthood is even in the programs. So it'll have a website. Um, so all the programs we've reviewed, we've gone through um, many programs. It's on um, the, what is it, um, Protect Child Health Coalition. There's a national website, and, and they've gone through all the sex um, ed programs, and there's um, analysis on that. They call the harmful elements, and they'll go through what harmful elements are in each of the programs. So if you hear that your school is about to get into a, a different program, you can look at it there. Contact us. We'll educate you on it as well. Give us some examples of things that are taught in comprehensive sex ed that parents might not be aware of. Um, different ways to have sexual activity, um, not, I don't know how much I can say on the radio, but, um, they, um, teach them that sex is, it's okay to do whatever you want, whatever you want, use precautions. They teach them, um, that like intimacy, connection, 
it doesn't necessarily, um, one example, let me just tell you, it's, um, so Planned Parenthood um, has a consent video on their website. It, it, it talks about how you're supposed to negotiate for sex. And so important thing, just backtracking a minute, in Georgia, kids get sex education or offer sex education in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Um, in high school, they only have to have one year of health. So typically they only have their ninth grade year is when they get sex ed. So most of these, this very intimate Advanced information is given to kids in 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, which I think is is very young. Um, the thing about consenting to sex is kind of the big thing um, lately. And they'll give the kids a, an example of a pizza um, experiment. And they'll tell the child to get with another partner and, and pick a pizza. And the different toppings of the pizza are different types of, of sexual um behaviors oh, and they'll no. say what do you like olives means one thing you know peppers means something pepperoni means something else and they'll have the two students talk about what they want on their pizza do they start younger than sixth seventh and eighth grade um there are some school districts in the united states that does start in elementary school like fourth and oh, fifth grade boy. with some okay. of this stuff um our fulton county i don't believe does that um, yeah, they've got Choosing the Best, which is an absence-based program. But um, some programs do try to get it in, in the things. Gwinnett County, they're um, working re real hard to get um, ETR in their program, Health Smart, which is um, when it was started by Planned Parenthood. And um, one of the programs was proposed for the, fifth, for the elementary school kids. And I don't know if that got approved or not, but they were working on that. On the, the issue of... Um teaching kids about all of these various things which even some of their parents have never heard of probably um how does how do the comprehensive sex ed proponents deal with parents do they keep parents involved in it and and tell the kids that they should be talking to their parents and that, that certainly they shouldn't be accessing any services without parental knowledge and consent how does that work very good question, Jane. Um, yeah, they do not seem to want parental involvement. Um, they'll actually talk about the parents as if we're a bunch of old fuddy-duddies and your parents mm -hmm. are just old-fashioned and will teach you things that um, they're not going to tell you about. Um, so they'll, they'll tell them to get information. Planned Parenthood, like I said, is one of the sites. Um, some of the um, LGBT um, support groups out there they'll give them those emails and those um, websites to go to and so kids i think it's called trevor so they'll have a lot of different organizations out there that they say are health organizations to help the kids but really it's to get to bypass the parents um and to um have the, the child go to get whatever type of birth control and treatment they need and that is the law in georgia and in a lot of states that um, a young woman can get treatment for stds um, and pregnancy without parental um, consent or knowledge. And so the schools, through comprehensive sex education, those that have adopted that, will be telling them how to do that. This, this is, you can call Planned Parenthood and ask for this, or you can call this other organization, GCAP or whatever, and ask for it. And so that helps the, the children to learn to deceive their parents. Correct. Correct. Four or five years ago, this same bill, this age-appropriate consent bill, was introduced by essentially the same Democrat sponsors, but they had talked one oblivious Republican into signing on to it so it would look like a bipartisan bill and would be more likely to, to go somewhere. So I talked to that Republican down at the Capitol at that time and explained 
the real meaning of the bill and what they were trying to do, which, of course, he had no idea about, and he took his name off the bill. So, Mary, I hope that you can get the one conservative Republican co-sponsor of the current bill to drop his affiliation and isolate it to the the fringe crowd where it really needs to be. Yes, Jane, we'll plan to do that. Thank you. Related to the sex ed issue is a issue of obscenity in the schools. Would you give us an overview of this problem? Sure. Um, obscenities are in all of our schools um, and both digitally and in books, in both the libraries and in the um, teachers' classrooms, depending on what the teacher brings in. Um, there's a law in Georgia that says obscenity um, is illegal, and there's a certain definition for that. You talked about um, showing children obscenity can be either visual or the written word. And you or I cannot show your minor children, if you had them, obscene information. You could put me in jail if I showed your child or your grandchild that. However, there is an exemption in Georgia that says um, the teacher, the schools, excuse me, the school libraries and the public libraries are exempt from that obscenity laws. So people can put things in the libraries um, and we can't sue them for that. Mm. Even though it is illegal for everybody else in the state to do that to a child, the school libraries, it is not illegal. And the libraries do include the databases. And that, if you're interested, if any of our listeners are interested in diving into why that is, because that sounds so horrible, (laughs) why would schools be exempt from the obscenity law? Go back to the previously mentioned Dr. Kinsey. It, It all came from the 50s when he was was riding high with all of his rather monstrous theories about sex and children and all of that, and the the uh, laws of the states tended to follow those. And so they were told, well, for educational purposes, we can't be subject to the obscenity laws. And my theory about that has always been that that's a pretty low bar. It, you know, it just don't be obscene. As long as you can, can get... Um, uh, get over that one. You should be okay. There should be no problem with education if you if you're um, prohibited from exposing kids to obscenity. But no, the Kinsey crowd wanted to make sure that they never got got um, caught in that trap. And uh, really, comprehensive sex education couldn't exist in the way it exists now, could it? Without that exemption in some respects, of things that are shown to kids and talked about with kids. Am I overstating that? I don't. um, I think you're probably right. I I can't really Mm -hmm. speak to the legal part of it all. I don't know that it's ever been challenged. It it also depends on the teacher and stuff. There's a lot of, um, you know, teachers that kind of play with the information. And so I think some teachers are probably teaching common sex ed might make it a little softer where – some people that are supposed to be doing the abstinence-based program maybe kind of sneaking things in a little ways, kind of mm-hmm. sideways. So um, I, th- I think they're supposed to use the programs as they've been developed and go right by the programs, and then you can't get any of that extra stuff in there. But um, the drawings, it's supposed to be explicit sexual information, um, either written or, or visual, is supposed to be obscene, right? So, yeah. Well, getting back to Patty's question about the obscenity, and I'm sorry I got you sidetracked, but... Um, so you said that obscenity is in the schools, digitally and on paper. How do you know that? Oh, we've done lots of research. There's many parent groups, including ours, that have done a lot of research on, on the books um, out there. And um, it's 
on our website. We can teach you how to find it in your library. Um, but there's a lot of books out there, and, and it's most of the books that are getting into the libraries now have some type of um, thing that may or may not be what we want our kids to, to, to read. Um, the program, um, an ELA program just got adopted by one of the school districts here um, for the books. There's like 200 books that are in the ELA program. It's, you know, millions of dollars that they purchased this program at. And only eight of those books are classical books. So I don't think, I don't think the other 192 mm. are, you know, all obscene, but there's greater chance for some of that stuff if you're not using um, some of the classical information. So, Mary, as you stated, parents are the ones that are responsible for children's education. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church also states that they're the ones that are responsible. Yet, it appears that in our culture today, this responsibility is being assumed by the local school boards and administrators and systems. Governor Glenn Youngkin in Virginia won because the parents like you stepped up and fought against the school systems. You've given us a lot to think about, Mary. <laughs> and we're really grateful for all that you're doing. Thank you so much. We, we have so much more to talk about. Um, so we hope that our listeners will tune in next week because she will, again, um, speak with us in next week's show. Um, uh, more information on threats to our children in school. And we'll also talk about what parents should be doing to combat these assaults. But we do know that the number one action step is prayer. And um, Jane, was there anything else that you wanted to say before you close us in a prayer? There's a lot we need to say, but we don't have time. But we will get into some of it next week with Mary, so I hope people will, will tune back in. So let's close with prayer. Our Father, we thank you as always for sending your Holy Spirit on us, for giving us all of the the resources, the information, people like Mary. We thank you so much for her and for the people who are working with her to try to protect our children because we know that Jesus had such a heart for children and for protecting their innocence. And we we pray, Lord, that we will learn um, in further conversations with Mary and maybe in our own research what parents can do to help protect their children against these against these threats so that they will learn to love you, to love your kingdom, and to live in beauty and goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been Legislation Made Simple, keeping you informed on political issues with your hosts, Patty DeCraney and Jane Robbins. Listen again next week at the same time for Legislation Made Simple on AM 1160, The Quest.